Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. So excited. From WDEV in Waterbury, welcome to Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis. Thanks for joining us. It's Wednesday, September 27th, and we're going to return to the flooding in central Vermont and the impact on those who do business there, especially in Montpelier. My first guest today is going to be Julia Watson, the owner of Capital Grounds Coffee Shop and 802 Coffee. In hour two, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to open the phones and talk about the news. The Hollywood strike is over. The federal government has sued Amazon. Uh, and we're going to just take a walk through a whole range of subjects. And if we're lucky, I might get Greg Titus to join us uh, in the studio to, to go over these things. Uh, there's a new bike company that has announced that it's coming back to Waterbury. And, uh, and, uh, and Mackenzie Scott, who most people know as the ex-wife of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, has just uh, given the Champlain Housing Trust in Burlington $20 million. And so the, we're going to talk about all that. Um, and then at 1030, we're going to go to California and join Vermont Viewpoint film critic Keenan Ellis, who, as a condition of getting up early out there, uh, has said he'd like to add, turn the tables on the last time we talked. And instead of talking about his favorite movies, he wants to talk about my favorite movies. I think we can get Greg Titus to join us for that as well. Uh, so I have my task overnight was to uh, make a list of my five favorite movies, and we'll get into that at 1030. Um, but and we'll take your calls along the way. Of course, the number to call is 244-1777. The email is vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Please, uh, especially during the 10 o'clock hour, we welcome your calls because we're going to talk about just a range of news stories. A lot of news out there that we need to, uh, in order to be citizens in a democracy, we need to understand. But first, United States Senator Robert Menendez. The United States government, via the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York, has charged U.S. Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey with a series of crimes, namely taking bribes in exchange for his official actions in our in this country's relations with Egypt, including missile systems, uh, interfering in criminal investigations, and all sorts of other crimes. The allegations, if true and proven in court, are serious, not to mention salacious. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash stashed in jacket pockets around his house in Union City, New Jersey. Gold bullion in the amounts of nearly half a million dollars. A Mercedes-Benz luxury sports car given to him by a donor. And mortgage payments. Who wouldn't like somebody else to pay our mortgage, our monthly mortgage payment? Well, Senator Menendez apparently, according to this indictment, made a practice of having uh, business business donor friends in New Jersey make his mortgage payments for him. The indictment takes place after a years-long investigation by the Justice Department, uh, and it turns out, according to the indictment, that immediately after uh, 
Menendez beat the rap on a previous federal indictment and criminal trial, he immediately launched into another series of allegedly criminal activities. It's not the first time for Menendez. On Monday, Menendez publicly denied the charges and promised to fight them in court. And he laid out his defense strategy for all of us as someone who fought for his constituents and claimed that the cash strewn about his house is the action of a Cuban-American immigrant always concerned about having property confiscated by the regime in Cuba. He did not explain the gold bars or the Mercedes-Benz or the mortgage payments. Really important to understand for all of us here is that Menendez is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. So on the political side of this indictment, uh, there's all sorts of shenanigans going on. Uh, Vermont Senators Peter Welch and Bernie Sanders have called for Menendez's uh, resignation from the Senate. Interestingly, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has not. He's urging everybody to withhold judgment while the facts play out. There's all sorts of politics going on here, right? The the United States Senate is controlled by Democrats, and there is a knee-jerk uh, element to the DNA of Democratic politicians to try to protect their own. But Sanders and Welch immediately called for his resignation. Uh, he has stepped down. According to the rules of the Senate, if this happens to you, if you're indicted, you have to step down from your committee chairmanship, and Menendez has done that. There, you can read all about this uh, in in anywhere in the media, but I do recommend a New York Times article that talks in depth today about the politics of a place called Hudson County in northern Jersey, which is just over the over the Hudson River from from New York. It's a it's a blue collar district uh, filled with factories. It's where Menendez came of age. I say this um, with some authority, as as the comedian John Stewart uh, likes to say, I'm from New Jersey. <clears throat> so, whether you're a Springsteen guy or a John Stewart guy or a Robert Menendez guy, we all know, having grown up in New Jersey, that the that the politics in Hudson County, New Jersey, right across, right through the Lincoln Tunnel, are bare knuckled, and Menendez comes out of a world in which. Uh, you you punish your enemies and you reward your friends. Federal prosecutors have had their eye on Robert Menendez for 25 years, and he they they indicted him one time. They've now indicted him a second time, and you gotta wonder how a guy like Menendez continues this kind of behavior. That is not just I'm not just guessing here. It's splashed across the pages of every newspaper in the country. How he beats the rap on one federal charge, uh, remarries a, a, a woman who he, according to the indictment, puts on the payroll of, for a no-show job at a, at a uh, halal meat company from Egypt and continues to, uh, manage to get, uh, arms, armaments contracts for the country of Egypt. Uh, it's, it's I'm not sure what it is, hubris, arrogance, uh, or just the way things are done in Hudson County, New Jersey. But I promise we're going to have we're going to get deeper into this and we'll get somebody from a, a Paul from New Jersey on to explain all this.
We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis, your host. I began today at the bagel shop in Waterbury next door. Not big news, except that I did not begin the day in downtown Montpelier at my favorite place, Capitol Grounds. Purveyor of 802 Coffee and a gathering spot for all of us who live in that area, Uncle Bob, <laughs> Mr. Vanderlip, former Representative Tony Klein, uh, all sitting out there, Willem Lang, the storyteller, all gathered round a table, shooting the breeze, or as my daughter says, chewing the fat all morning over coffee. Uh, it's the place to go. So I needed an update on what's going on at Capitol Grounds and when they might be back in business. And who better to do that for us today than the owner of that business, Julia Watson. Welcome to the show, live in the studio. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, tell us, as many people know, we spend a lot of time on the flood. Yes. And we've done live shows from Montpelier, from the hub. We went to uh, Bob's, uh, Nelson's Hardware in Barry. Mm -hmm. We went to Harry's Hardware in Cabot. We went to uh, Johnson. Um, tell us what happened to you on July 10th and 11th of the summer. Um, July 10th started like any other day. Got there at 4 a.m., baked all the things. Uh I knew it had been raining. Obviously, everyone knew it had been raining. But, um, yeah, it rained all day. People were like, uh, my first telltale that something crazy was happening was Lisa, my longest time employee. Everybody knows Lisa. She yells she, at me uh, every morning. Yeah, yeah, she yells at everybody. She's really, really soft and sweet. Everyone is scared of her, but it's kind of funny. She has been with the company for 20. This is her. She just started her 24th year. Right. Anyway, she called out, and she never calls out. And she's like, my backyard is going to flood, and I don't want to come to work today, and I think you should be worried. And so then I kind of started watching the news, and I got out of the kitchen around 8 a.m. and went to check the basement, and um, there was still no water in the basement, which is always the first telltale like oh we're gonna be fine everything's fine right now so it was really busy um, a lot of people were out it was Monday um, and throughout the day more and we were really busy it was there was a lot of people in town um, I don't know if they were getting ready and preparing but I didn't I until I started like uh, paying attention to this group chat that we have with the business owners in Montpelier. I wasn't really aware of how serious that it actually might flood until 10 a.m. when I went back down to the basement and we had about three feet of water in it. And then I sent a picture and I was like, oh, God, this is happening. Um, and I talked to my employees and they were like, yeah, we should shut down. We don't really feel comfortable. And I'm like, okay. So um, we shut down at 1130 or noon that day. I don't remember. And um, we got everything up about two feet off the floor. It was just nobody really told us anything or what to do. It just seemed like the right thing to do at that time. Um, and we shut down, and it kept raining, and the river was rising, and we're right on the river. So it was pretty obvious that 
it wasn't going to stop raining. Um, everybody got home, went home, and I had talked to a couple other people, and they had gone to Abishan to get some sandbags. And I'm like, it seems silly that we pay so much taxes in Montpelier, and I have to go to Abishan to buy sandbags. Right. I called the public works, the police station, fire department, Montpelier, didn't have sandbags. There was only two left at Abishan, and, I mean, I don't know how good sandbags actually do, but um, I was kind of mad that the city wasn't more responsive. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll talk about the role of government and what the city did do, could do, and should do better going forward. Yeah, so... The day went on. I called my husband. I was like, your tools are in the basement. The basement's filling up with water. Um, there's no sandbags. We are residents of East Montpelier, and um, we called the the town guy in East Montpelier, and he's like, meet me at the garage. That would be there. Guthrie Perry, the uh, road foreman. We love you, Guthrie. Yeah, way to go, Guthrie. Yeah. Um, Although there is still <laughs> some gravel on my uh, grass from, from – <laughs> I live at the corner of Horn of the Moon and County Road. Oh, right. Yeah. We're, so we're kind of almost neighbors. Yeah, we are. We, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're just discovering that we are neighbors in East Montpelier. Uh, um, yeah, Guthrie was like, I will be at the garage in 15 minutes. I'll meet you there with 50 sandbags. And I was wow. like, you're amazing. Okay. We filled up both of our trucks. We also own a building in behind Capitol Grounds, not the Capitol Grounds building, but behind the Capitol Grounds building. And um, it was like four or five. We had to pick up our kids early from school that day, so we went and got our kids. We went and got the sandbags. So school, so school ended early. <clears throat> yes, it was East Montpelier, school, East Montpelier yes. Elementary. Yep. Yeah. So we had to pick them up early. Usually right. we pick them up about four thirty, and I think we had to pick them up at around three that day. So. Yeah, went and got sandbags, went back down. We had our waders on, and we were in the basement. There was like three and a half, four feet of water, and we were carrying up my husband's tools yeah. and bringing them upstairs and just putting them on tables. What does he do? Um, he is the zoning administrator for East Montpelier. <laughs> You're kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to know him. <laughs> um, I got a permit for the deck we put on uh, five years ago. Yeah. Sort of. So did we. Yeah. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, he also does everything. Yeah. He, oh, he's one of those guys. Oh, he does everything. Yeah, he's we don't amazing. like people like him. Yeah. <laughs> they can fix anything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm like, I need you to do this thing, and he's like, okay. Yeah. Um. So, so he, as the water's rising, he must be thinking through, going through his head, saying, pipes, propane. Yep. You know all of the stuff that makes your business go. Well. Uh, we don't own our building again, so at Capitol Grounds. So, but we own the Langdon Street building. So he took out the heating element in the boiler, and right. he took, like he was kind of focusing on our building. And um, as we were driving into town, I ran into one of my employees, and I was like, "Hey, will you help me put these sandbags in front of the doors?" And when you look at Capitol Grounds, like we're right on the bridge, and I thought that the front door is higher than the back door, right. but the building's kind of lopsided. It's really old. Um, the back door is actually lower. Even though you have to go up a bunch of steps, the back door is lower. So I didn't put any sandbags on the back door, and I actually don't know where the water came from. You don't? No. I was it's... watching the cameras like all night long, and it was dry. It was dry. I knew there was water in the basement, and the water had been rising rapidly in the basement. But all of our, we had like three feet of sandbags on the front doors. And at about 6.15 a.m., I looked at the camera again, and the water started coming from the back 
which it could have been coming from the basement or it could have been coming from the back door. But I never lost power. We had about a foot of water in and it like rose and I ended up like recording it on our cameras so I could relive this terrible moment of my life. Um, But the water rose from about 6.15 until 8.15 and then it started to go down again. So it's now in – let's go back to it's rising. Mm -hmm. It's still in the first floor of the shop where we sit and drink coffee. Yep. How much water was in that first floor? About a foot. About a foot. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how long was it in that space? Your retail space. Four hours. Four hours. Yeah. And then it drained out. And then it drained out. Yeah. But it was so gross. Watching, like, there was literally bugs, like, sliding across the water in the cafe when I was watching it on the cameras. (laughs) So what was your reaction when you saw that? I I can only imagine. (laughs) Uh I feel just to just to give you some background, I was standing Ugh. in Claire Benedict, Claire and Rob uh, Rob's, uh, Bear Pond books at the same time, and we were down in the basement, and and the and then upstairs there's a foot of water in their shop, their store, right? And you're looking at their faces, yeah. And I've talked about this on the show a lot, you know. There's this mix of, and I'd be interested in what, what what your reaction was, but there you looked at them and there was this mix of like horror, resignation. Uh, you can't stop the water. Right. You can't, you know. Um, you don't know what to do. You're not thinking rationally. You're exhausted physically. Yeah. Adrenaline. So, adrenaline rush. There was exactly. Adrenaline. So tell Shock us, tell us, adrenaline. take us through that. Um. Well. I wanted to go downtown at like 8 a.m. And my husband's like, well, you're not going to be able to get in the cafe. What's the point? The street's still flooded. And I went down and I looked and obviously it was still flooded. And then I went home and I waited it out and went to the cameras. And when I saw everything had drained out, it was like 1.30 and everyone was kayaking and canoeing in this really gross water. But I was like, well, if they're doing it, I want to do it too. And I want to just look at the cafe and see what's going on. So I got my paddleboard got a friend and we paddleboarded oh, it. I remember seeing you on the street actually. My son and I were down oh. down there walking <laughs> around yeah. looking at the damage and there you were on the corner of uh, East State and uh, you were on East State Street right next to Tim Heaney's office yeah. there. And it smelled your, like I, gas. Yeah, Everything it smelled like gas. smelled terrible. Yeah. This yeah. guy was smoking a cigarette yeah. and I was like, don't throw that in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I went in and I was like, we got everything up. So we, all of our paper products, a lot of stuff was fine, but, um, we, I kind of just assessed what I've never been through a flood before. I've, I've lived through many floods, but I've never personally like had anything affected by a flood in Montpelier. Um, and so it's kind of like, what's everyone doing? What's ever, what's the plan? And Start ripping out sheetrock. Start ripping up your floors. Um, this has happened before, so I assumed that that had been done previously, but um, it had never flooded on the first floor of that Capitol grounds building, according to the landlord. <clears throat> so take us through your thought process. Um, okay, there's a foot of water. It's now drained out. The place is ruined. When do you start saying to yourself, I'm going to fix this place? I'm going to rebuild and reopen. It was right then. Right away. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I don't have any other option. <laughs> well, you can actually, but we all do, right? I, yeah. as I said to Tim Heaney on this show, Tim, you could just walk away, give the buildings to the bank and go to Florida. And he broke down into tears and said, that's not who I am. Yeah. I, I just gotta. So what, what was going through your mind? Well, I just took over the business January 1st of 2020. From so, your dad? From my dad. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so to me, it's like I have, it's a new business. I know it's, this is our 25th year in business, but to me, it's my third year in business. Yeah. I, I don't have any other option. I don't have everything paid off. I don't like, I am brand new. <laughs> Yeah. And so I can't, to me, it wasn't even an option of walking away. I have a million things I need to do and I need to keep it going. It's our family business. <laughs> I'm fascinated by that. I'm just fascinated by the, 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 uh, grit of people who say, I'm rebuilding. I'd be lying if I didn't say, if I didn't like think about it sometimes. <laughs> not waking up in the morning. I'm going to go be a barista in Starbucks in Boston and yeah. chuck it all. Okay, a quick personal note. So you're the pride of U32 High School. Yeah. <laughs> you grew up here. Mm-hmm. Class but of 07. That, class of 07. Shout out. We have lots of shout outs on the show. Karen Williams Fox. or No, would you call her Karen Williams? Karen now? Williams. Karen now. Williams, owner yes. of Woodbury Mountain Toys. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're in the Montpelier Chamber of Commerce here. My new neighbor. Her new na- your new neighbor because she is moving across the street, across State Street to occupy what used to be Olivita mm-hmm. Olive Oil Store and the Sock Place. Yep. Aww. Yeah. So they're gone and it's the toy, be sto- toy store is moving in there. Yep. It's going to be great for both of us, I think. Why? Because we have cookies and snacks and kid things and she has cookies next door now at Capitol Grounds. Uh, <laughs> and lots of toys. Synergy. So people will be like, oh, you can go hang out with Karen while I go get coffee so I can handle you after you've gotten toys from Karen. Well, you're talking to a guy whose children basically grew up in the children's section upstairs at Bear Pond Books and in Karen's uh, toy store. Yeah. Now we don't have to run across the street. Now you can just be right next door. Well, if they would go with my proposal to close State Street to traffic, which they never have, uh, (laughs) you would not have to worry about crossing the street. Because my office was above, for 25 years, was above Karen's toy store. Uh, Oh, right. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go back to the flood. Uh, so Tuesday, you make an immediate decision to reopen. Yep. What? Why? Again, I yeah, I feel like I didn't. I don't have a choice. I'm three. I'm three years old. Cabo Grounds is 25 years old, November 12th. Yeah. But me personally, the owner of Cabo Grounds is three years. So. While I could think about walking away, I would be walking away in lots and lots of debt. (laughs) We didn't just buy Cabo Grounds. We bought a building and a new roaster, and we expanded 802 Coffee. Okay, so let's go there. Tell us about 802 Coffee. This Mm -hmm. is coffee that you make, you roast. I personally do not roast it. Spencer and Tanya are our roasters, and they are amazing. Um, Tanya was the cafe manager when I came into the picture and in 2020 she moved to the roasting side of things which is where 
at 17 Air Street in Barrie. And we bought an old auto parts store and gutted it and rebuilt it basically from a shell. And it's an incredible space. And we've been roasting there since May of 2020. And you have, I haven't been there, but you, uh, during the flood, since you've been closed, you kind of opened up a retail spot over there in Barrie. Yep. We don't have a kitchen. It is nothing like Capitol Grounds. We do not do breakfast sandwiches. We do not do bagels. Um, We bring in local pastries from Ms. Martell's Gourmet Cookies. She's a local baker in Barrie, local donut out of Woodbury. But we just do coffee. That's where we roast. That's where we sell coffee, espresso and coffee. So what goes into rebuilding? Oh, my gosh. You're You're suddenly a general contractor. Yeah. Well, I'm not. Thankfully, my husband is. Tell us about that. um, So originally, we didn't think that the damage was that bad. We were like, we knew we had to take out the sheetrock. We knew we had to um, like replace insulation and stuff. But when we were told that we had to take out our tile floors was when I think reality really set in because there was five layers of subfloor underneath our tile. Right. And ripping out the tile... And seeing how gross those subfloors were was um, the reality of how much damage had actually been done. Like our floors had only been sitting in water what I thought was, you know, four to five hours. But because our basement was entirely flooded and full of water, it was just seeping up from the basement. Yeah. And um, – the subfloors underneath the tile were still soaking wet. So that that was when, like, originally we were like, oh, let's just clean these tiles floors and it's going to be fine. Yeah. No, it yeah. wasn't. Everybody thought that. I, I was over in Bear Pond, same thing. They're, yeah. You're, you're standing there going, oh, maybe we can maybe it's dehumidifiers fine. and maybe it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And then you saw the floor start to buckle. Yep. The floorboards begin to buckle and turn all sorts of colors and the smell you can just you began to but it it took it wasn't an instant reaction yeah a realization right did you go through that um yes and our when the when the building inspectors in montpelier first came through and saw our basement like we had people cleaning like our basement was mucked out by friday of that week yeah um tyson my husband, Randy Brown, we had volunteers like taking out mud and our basement was pressure washed and cleaned by that Friday because of volunteers and Tyson. And Tyson would be your husband. Tyson is my husband, my husband. Yeah. Yep. The everything man. Shout out. Shout out. Um, so he, because we had our basement so clean, we thought we were going to be able to dry it out really quickly, but then it just kept raining. It rained all summer. And, um, it's my understanding that there's still a lot of basements in Montpelier that are growing green and purple and pink things in them and are shut off to any kind of use or, but uh, people should have been still using dehumidifiers all summer because the moisture levels were very bad. Okay. So now, You've decided to rebuild, you're ripping it out, you're drying it out, and then you 
go through what everybody else went through. And I had, I've had FEMA officials on this show and he looked at me and said, his name is Dave Mace. He's a former reporter in Montpelier, guy I've known forever. He goes, I want to be clear. FEMA does not give money to small businesses. Yeah. And it was a moment on this radio show where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. they just help homeowners. I know. And, and a I've friend heard, of mine, yeah. a friend of my homeowner of mine just told me yesterday she got a $3,000 check for water in her basement. I'm like, oh, great. But, but it's, I don't know. But we a, pay into it. Oh, of course. You right. know. <laughs> but there seems to have been always a communications gap. You would think that we would all have this in our DNA since the 93 flood and Irene, that we would 90. know this stuff. And yet we've had to learn it over and over again. FEMA doesn't help you. Um, mm-hmm. The federal government is not going to give you, Julia, a check. Nope. And when did you learn that? Um, it was probably within the first two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, because FEMA came by. They came by and said hi and oh. And then there was fake FEMA people that had like fake badges that were walking around trying to get information. But I was like, then why do you want to talk to me? You're wasting my time. <laughs> Did you hire anybody to help you clean out like a lot, like a service pro people and all those types? I did for my building on Langdon Street, but that yeah. was all up to my landlord. So yeah. my landlord took over after the first week and a half and he's uh-huh. like, okay, brought in this company insurecom this took three days just to tape plastic over things right. i was like you need to be ripping up these yeah. floors and you know stuff is still wet and it's getting smelly and it's doing things like do, you're not doing your job and they were just taping plastic and they had there was like three levels of people that they had hired and uh, they actually stole stuff out of like i had saved some things in freezers and Fridge and like their workers took stuff out of my freezers for their lunches. Great. They just thought it was free for all. <laughs> what about uh, one more question before the next break? What What about the role of government, uh, the city of Montpelier? Uh, how did they respond during the flood for small businesses? I felt like they were horrible and out of touch and out like they were just absent, entirely absent. Before the flood and after the flood, um, there should have been a protocol or a guideline or we have a downtown business phone tree like that should have gone into use on Monday the 10th. Hey, this is what we're expecting. We've already sent our people home. Right. Like you cars, everybody should be well aware that this is happening. And if it's flooded in 92, twice in 2011, and there's no protocol or guideline, what the, yeah. what the heck? Yeah. Like, this is a thing. It's happening. It will happen again. It has happened before, and you still don't have guidelines? Like, who is in charge? <laughs> who's in charge? Uh, I mean, I know who's in charge, but well, I don't. Uh, you know, I've, I've written about this and <clears throat> said it. Uh, I wrote an op-ed piece in the Times Argus about this. It, it just seemed to me that the city council... And a city manager and an assistant city manager. It's a joke. It's, it's sort of, it's too much for them, uh, to sit in a city council meeting. You can't move fast enough to do the work that needs to be done. So what should the city have been doing for you as a shop owner? I mean, they should have been going literally 
door to door being like, this is what we're expecting. This is what has happened in previous floods. This is what we want you to do because like, but apparently, yeah, there's no protocol or guidelines. I hope that they get one together for the next time. I had a thought. Which was, uh, as I was standing there on Tuesday, was the sun out on Tuesday? It was a beautiful day on Tuesday. Tuesday. I'm <laughs> standing there and I thought to myself, where's the National Guard? I mm-hmm. thought there ought to be giant Humvees with the National Guard uh, rolling through town with sandbags. and or uh, On Monday. Too, too, well, on Monday. But, yeah. but, okay, Tuesday... National Guard should have been there mucking out basements, uh, installing sump pumps, uh, getting that water pumped. Out. I don't know. There, yeah. You know, you've got, you can apply 300 uh, guys and gals in uniforms with big trucks who know how to do things mm-hmm. and clean things up instead of, as Carlo, uh, the owner of uh, uh, Positive Pie, told me, incredibly frustrated on this show, uh, he slides his kayak down the steps of the back of with high school kids, Mm -hmm. volunteers, no hazmat, no masks, cleaning out his basement with no help from anybody except a bunch of high school kids. I mean, we had, it was definitely community came together to help out muck basements, but you're right. It like, at some point you have to have some professional expertise there. Right. There's, that right, and the city officials. I mean, we pay thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to the city of Montpelier in the state of Vermont. Yeah, 20, and by that, Carlo's estimates, about twenty twenty five thousand dollars for his business. Oh, yeah, like yeah. my room and meals in the summer is ten thousand dollars, like to the state of Vermont and yeah. to the city. Oh God, it's just it's a lot. Yeah, and. For the lack of response, it was extremely infuriating. <laughs> Do you, um, Bill Fraser, if you're out there, the city manager of Montpelier promised to have you on so we can, uh, you can have your say. Uh, Julia, what, what do other business owners say? You have a thread, you have a text thread, you, you, there's the Montpelier Business Association, there's Montpelier Alive. There's coffee and Legos. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> oh, it's like a, our own private chat. Got it. <laughs> how do you, how are you talking about this with your fellow business owners? Do they share your frustration? Um, it's definitely quieted down. Yeah. You know, some people are open and I'm really happy yeah. for, town is coming back. There are tourists. There are tour buses. Yeah. Like There are people in town, and I'm glad that there are other people like being able to make money and come back or trying to. Um, you know, we're out like so much revenue. This is our busiest time of the year, and it's, it's January is going to be really, really scary. But right. um, yeah, I, I think that at first... It was just literally the lack of response and everyone was really frustrated. But at least we had each other to kind of like bounce back and forth ideas and what we should be doing and who's doing things. Tim Heaney had all of his buildings up and running. Like all of his buildings are put back together and I'm, you know, waiting on my landlord too. And he was affected and everybody was affected, but it just, it's frustrating that some of us are still putting things back together and I just want to be open. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about that schedule. 
when are you going to be open? There's a sign in your window, actually, I walked by yesterday. Well, because we had all of these rumors that was like, you're not reopening? What's going on? And I'm like, right. we are definitely reopening. Right. We are reopening. And if we are not open by the middle of October, I will be on the street serving coffee. Okay. Like with a generator. Well, I noticed uh, I'm a big farmer's market guy on Saturday, and I, I noticed you're up at the Vermont College of Fine Arts selling mm-hmm. coffee and iced tea and whatever. Yeah. Why did you do that? What does that do for you business-wise? Um, honestly, that's been a huge lifesaver, even if it's just facing – like seeing people face to face and giving them like promise that we are reopening. But I lost 70% of my employees. So that's going to be a huge. That what do you mean you lost? They quit? <clears throat> you... Quit college. Like, you right, know, right. unemployment pays absolutely nothing. And um, especially for tipped employees. Yep. I had 26 employees on my payroll and um, a lot of them are high schoolers college students. Right. So I lost all of them in August. I felt so bad. I I had had a really solid crew of high schoolers that were that graduated this spring and yep. were planning to make a bunch of money and go to college right. in the fall. Right. And instead they were applying for unemployment for the first times in their lives because nobody wants to hire well one, there was a lot of places that were closed down, but also who wants to hire someone for a month? You know, it's I can't even train someone in one month's time. So I felt so bad and I my I have I had amazing employees and I lost a lot of them. Um you know I, I and I'm not being facetious here. Well, we, we've all washed dishes in our first jobs or served whatever um mm-hmm. bartended, but that's not an easy job behind that counter. It's fast-paced, you're running a cash register, you've got You've got 9,000 different kinds of customers who come in and mm-hmm. want it just right. And if they don't get and it just fast. right and fast, and if they don't get it just right and fast, it can be a little tense. Oh and you're uh, Lisa, if you're out there <laughs> listening, she handles it really well by she telling people to screw themselves. But <laughs> now uh, I want to ask you about the guy, the really scary guy who makes my breakfast sandwich out back, who comes out of my sandwich and screams. <laughs> Joe. And I'm really, really scared of this guy. Is he coming back? He is coming back. Okay, good. That's Joe? <laughs> Joe. Yeah, a little scary. Oh, my God. My issues with Joe. Yeah. I love you, Joe. Yeah. But uh, I think the only reason why I'm able to reel him in is because he has respect for me and he tells me that every day. Good. And I'm good. like, okay. Now, you're you're upstairs uh, like a casino operator counting the cash all day, right? You don't you don't ever get your hands dirty uh, behind the grill or anything like that, right? I work every single position <laughs> at Capital Grounds. I do the bake, I run the line, I sling drinks, I make coffee. I also do all of our payroll, all of our books, all of our scheduling and all of our ordering. I want to point <laughs> I want to point out also that uh, much to my glee you did a renovation before the flood. We did. You cha- you you got. We were closed for a week. <laughs> you got new space mm-hmm. across the hall that, that used to be a beauty shop, beauty salon. Yep. And then you put like easy chairs and you know a place where I can have a business meeting, and it really. 
yes. change things for me as a customer. <clears throat> Suddenly I was could go off in a corner and have a business meeting and not get interrupted, which is great. Yeah. Uh, we took out the retail windows. We're, I mean, we're a, rest, a restaurant cafe. Yeah. So I worked at – when I lived in Montana, I worked at a coffee shop and um, they had comfy chairs. And I was like, when I – if I ever take over a couple of grounds, I am bringing in some comfy chairs. Yeah. And that's what we did with that renovation basically. You mentioned Montana. Um, you were in Helena. Yep. That's where you met your husband. Yes. Mm-hmm. What possessed you to come back to this hellscape of central Vermont where in February it is uh, dark by 3.30 in the afternoon compared to big sky? Honestly, I swore I would never come back to Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a kid and then I had another one. And I was like, ah, I love Montana. My whole heart is in Montana. Um my husband's whole family is there, my nieces and nephews, and my kids talk about Montana. We love Montana. But I grew up in central Vermont, and I loved grow- growing up in central Vermont. And yeah. it's it felt safe, and it's Vermont. <laughs> so we came back to take over the business. Wow. Well, you, it's, it's <laughs> Vermont. Boy, you could write a book about that because you're not the only one. To, to have made that decision. Yeah. That's fascinating. We're going to come back, and we I don't think we've ever done this on the show. We're going to go over the break uh, and keep the guest here. The soundboard engineer is changing to Danny from Greg, and we're going to keep Julia Watson right here because we're having a really good time talking about how she is recovering from the flood and what comes next. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint. You can call me at 244-1777 if you have a question for Julia. I know all of her fans out there are a little shy. We'll talk to you after these messages. It's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. 